Welcome to Real Estate Real Relationships. I'm your host, Nora Lynch-Smith. I believe in building relationships in our real estate careers that expand our connections to make us better realtors and even better humans. I've been a practicing realtor for over 20 years, from agent to broker owner, and now including instructor and coach. I'll be sharing real talks with practitioners in the industry, from the boots on the ground agents to leaders in coaching, speaking, and education. Learn their best practices and what makes them win the relationship game of their lives. Get ready to be inspired and take action. Let's get started. Hey there, Mary Beth. This is so wonderful to see you here, to have you here with me on our first conversation with Real Estate Relationships. I wanted to introduce Mary Beth Lynch from Thrive Real Estate in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, who we've actually had a little bit of the same career trajectory here. So Mary Beth, introduce yourself a little bit more (laughs) if you want. You're almost like my sister from another mother. We have the same last name, but your married name, my maiden name, but we'll take it from there. So it's really nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Nora. And I was so excited when you started to talk to me about the idea of you hosting a podcast because you have such such depth of knowledge with regard to our industry. And I know that we've talked a lot about how to how to to start this podcast. And one of the suggestions that I had made to you was you need to talk about you (laughs) and you need to introduce yourself and you need to give the world a little bit of understanding of what makes Nora Lynch tick and. I think that might be a little source of discomfort. Most of us don't like to talk about ourselves. So I know it's, it's really hard. I'm going to talk about you too. <laughs> well, we'll talk about each other because it's, you know what? I, I, I don't like to talk about myself, but I love to help other people understand what makes them tick. And there's a handful of people in my career who I always go back to. And it's like, you know, going back to your mother for advice and you are one of a very small group of people who will always keep it real and tell me the truth, whether it's what I want to hear or not. And that's what I love about you. And I think that's so valuable to your listeners. So I think it's important for your listeners to to get to know you, Nora. So thanks, Mary Beth. And I feel the same way about you. It's been interesting. We were trying to figure out the other day, how many years? It's been about 15 years, I think, since we really got to know each other a little bit. And then, you know, tell me a little bit when you got started in real estate and how then you went from one firm and then started your own firm kind of around the same time. I followed you a little bit. I think we pretty much started, when did you start Landmark? I purchased the company. We did a buyout, but that was in 2015. 15. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it was around 2014 that we were in discussions. And that's when I started my company in May of 2014. So you and I, I know had many conversations leading up to that. Um, So our, our timeline is, is very much in sync. And so just as a quick you know, introduction, I started my career back in the late 80s, almost right out of college. I had a little bit of a stint in the hospitality industry. And I worked for a um, very big corporate brand, beautiful blue and white colors, might add. We were in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and I was 23 years old. I didn't know really anything about real estate. And I was able to sort of sit back and watch some really highly involved realtors do their thing. And I didn't understand back then how valuable this would be to my career, but it was very much back in the day where a lot of these brokers were moms who matriculated into a real estate career, but were getting all their business from, you know, their country club 
friends or, you know, they were doctor's wives. And it was fascinating because I was 23 years old and I don't even think I was married. I wasn't married at the time. It was interesting to watch how they sort of groomed their clients. And so that was my introduction. And it was a very high end market, high net worth people, and a great way to observe without having to be really involved because I didn't, my family lived in the town that I was working in, but I didn't own a house there. So it was just a great way for me to observe um, from a distance how a community like that worked and how they sold real estate. So it's funny because again, our careers, Nora actually owns a firm in Wellesley, which is where (laughs) my career started which is really weird. That is kind of funny. It's funny what a small world it is and how things kind of collide there. So you got your license. What made you get your license? I'm still going to go back to where- You know what? what? Really quick story. I grew up in Philadelphia. My dad was an executive and we had very deep roots in Philadelphia. Nobody from our family had ever moved on my mom and dad's side from the city. My dad was offered a position. He was running the Philadelphia office and the Boston office needed some help. And so they came to him and said, we really need you in Boston. Would you consider relocating? And so he said, sure. I, I think there was probably a lot more discussions to it, but he agreed to do it. And so they flew my mom and dad and the six of us. So I'm the oldest of six kids. And they flew us all into Boston. And again, we hadn't left Philadelphia. So it was a big deal for us to get to Boston and stay in a, a really cool hotel. And we were met the first day we got there by a realtor. And her name is Lucy. And Lucy, as I always describe it, had this big, huge car. And she had a diamond that was as big as my hand (laughs) and hair that was really big. She was from Texas. And she was going to introduce us to real estate in Boston. I'll never forget it. She she got us in the car. I think we actually had two cars because there were so many of us. And she drove us through and she basically said to my dad, here's where you need to to move. You need to move to Wellesley. And not only do you need to move to Wellesley, but here's the neighborhood in Wellesley you need to move to. As she was driving us around, she would say, you know, hey, don't worry about when you move here because there's where you're going to get your hair cut. And this is where you're going to go to gymnastics. And, you know, this is going to be the guy that's going to build the addition on the house you're buying. So she was really introducing our family without, she she was making a presumptive close. We were going to buy the house we were going to buy it in this neighborhood. And she was going to tell us all the people that were going to come in and help us do it. And that was a lesson learned for me that that is really our job to have a good referral network. And, and she sure did. I mean, my parents live in the same house. That was 1987. It's 2000. I can't even do the math in my head, but it's been a long time. And that and they, we always go back to Lucy. So that's how I got, and I'm sorry, that's a really long story, but no, it's great. it was really impactful to me. So that's how I got started. And I got um, into, the real, into the hospitality industry and always had real estate in the back of my mind and decided to go and get my, my license. And there you go. That's how I got into it. And the rest is history. So that's fantastic. I love these stories. You know, what kind of started the whole trajectory? Because I got my license when I was in college. I was a senior at Boston College and actually somebody who is still a very good friend of mine to this, he and I, we took the class at Brookline High School. No kidding. So it was just one more course I had to take in college. So it was hilarious, but we did get our licenses and I, it was 1988. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is so funny. Did you do any real estate in college? Like sometimes people get licenses no, just to do first, rentals. So my first job, remember Baybank? Oh my yeah. I was at Baybank and I worked in commercial real estate. So wow. I did that. I mean, and then eventually ended up uh, probably about seven years later, moved back up here 
to Massachusetts and went back home to Florida. My parents had always had investment properties and I'd always helped take care of them down in Florida and whatnot. And I was always intrigued by making things look pretty, you know, just whether it was landscaping or painting or renovating for the various properties that they owned. They weren't in real estate full-time at all, but it was more for, you know, separate investments. So that was always fun for me, but I didn't really get into it until I had my son. And then I wanted to get more involved in the community. Same thing, like connecting people, being more active in your community, which leads me to my next question. So you've always, have you always been really practicing full-time in no. Shrewsbury or? No, no. My, I had fits and starts in my career and a lot of it revolved around getting married, having my first child, which was 1990. He'll be 30 this year, which is, he'll be 30 in three days actually, which is crazy. Is. And so I just basically, when I found out not it was when I was ready to leave on maternity leave. I kind of left real estate behind. I was like, I'm going to go be a mom. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to raise my kids. So I handed over my files and walked away. And I joke around that I sold more real estate in the 10 years I wasn't working in real estate than I did after because that was just what I do. It's what I think about. It's what I'm excited about. So I had so many friends that would ask me for my advice And I wasn't practicing. So I'd say, oh, you have to buy that house or, oh, you have to build a house on that lot. So I did a lot of real estate practicing without getting paid for it when my kids were young. And it was 2000 when I finally kind of took a step back and I thought, what the heck am I doing? Like, I was very involved in my community. I loved the opportunity to be at home with my kids. But when my daughter was probably four years old, I said, you know, I've got a, she was five actually. I got to get back out there and working. And there was really nowhere else that I could imagine myself working except for in real estate. So that's how I stepped back in. I went back to the brand, that beautiful blue and white brand that I started with, went back. They had a local office in my town and kind of started back that way. And here I am 20 years later. I know it's amazing how time goes by because I basically, even though I was in commercial real estate, I took, there was about, well, my son was born in 1998 and that's when I went back working for a big brand also and loved my mentor. And she's still, you know, the manager of the office is still a great mentor, friend of mine. So that was amazing. Now, what had you shift from being at the corporate traditional model to then having your own, what gave you the courage to do that? Because I think there's a lot of courage and you encouraged me. What had you step out into doing your own boutique firm? My own thing. It's a fun story for me to tell because I hope it inspires people. I really never thought beyond the brand. I, that was where I was going to work. That was who I was presenting every time I went on listing presentations. I went to a real estate conference in New York City, and there was a lot of, they call them indie brokers, that um, were speaking at this conference. And I was really almost like drinking from a, from a fire hose, that particular conference, because I hadn't been exposed to the national real estate conference idea. And there was just so many ideas and so many people I was meeting and talking with and hearing and listening to. And I, it was a three-day conference. I left there and drove back to Boston, which is a three-hour drive. And I got in the car and I, I started driving and I thought, I've got to get out of this corporate brand. Like They're not helping me. I am my brand and I need to start my own brand so that I can be more autonomous. I designed it in my head. It took three hours to drive back to Boston. And that three hour period, I said, I'm leaving, you know, the big brand. I'm going to start my own brand. And it was like birthing a child, as you know, Nora. I mean, it's literally starting a company is birthing a child. And I decided that I needed to come up with a brand, an identity, a name. It's an interesting timing in my life. My daughter was a senior in college 
and she was our last going off to college. Mm -hmm. So that empty nest was kind of scaring me. So I said, well, you know what, if everyone's going to be gone from my house, I'm going to have another child. And that was my (laughs) company thrive. And um, in fact, I was inspired to name my company off of a book that Ariana Huffington wrote, which is called thrive, by the way, I heard her speak at that conference and I just loved everything that she said about self-care and going deep into your own thought processes to start to design a life that was really yours and not someone else's. And that was the inspiration for naming my company. So, so that's how I started. And I was, you know, a one man band and my husband thought I was absolutely crazy. He actually tried to talk me out of it many times and I was not hearing it. I said, nope, I'm going to do this. And whether it's, you know, it, it falls flat on its face or whatever, it was something that I was very inspired and excited to do. And here I am. So well, you're married to a very good husband. I think one, that's one of the prerequisites. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. oh. Anyway, but you know what? This is a great segue when you brought up Ariana Huffington. So yeah. I'm really into, quote unquote, uh, I guess I could call myself a... Uh, a course junkie. Person oh yeah, you are. Junkie. And I think you ha- you were though too a little bit. Like, so yeah. what, what are your things that you go to for personal development? Because I think personal development really is business development. I mean, it really is. It's all mindset management. I am not as brave as you are. I mean, I see you flying all over the country and I got to tell you, Nora, I'm so inspired by it. And I'm like, I'm going to be Nora. I'm going <laughs> to, no. I'm going to book myself on a trip to, you know, I don't know, Austin. Don't I, do it. <laughs> don't do it. Well, you also nope. luckily have children in great places where you get to go to a conference and happen to visit your son in California, which by the way, I have a daughter in California and I actually have gone to um, a conference in San Francisco this time last year so that I could visit my daughter in I do like Inman Connect conferences. I got kind of sick of them after a while because I did feel like it was kind of the same old, same old after I'd been there four times in a row. Unlike you, I, I, um, I mean, I travel a lot um, for fun, but I'm a podcast junkie. I podcast yeah. the heck out of myself. You know, I have to say, I've listened to them all. My favorite, I, it's probably the Irish brogue, is Brian Buffini. I just love him. I, I love the little nuggets of information that he gives. His message is pretty much the same thing, but he just packages it in a different way every time. And I just, I love listening to his voice and I love his message. He's someone that just, in times of trouble, he's the guy that's going to stand up and say, there's an opportunity right now. And stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get yourself up off the couch and get out and find business. And that's, that inspires me. So. You know, you mentioned Esther Hicks, though. Love Esther Hicks. What do you love about her? Well, I love that that she's not a her, (laughs) or that it's a him and a her. (laughs) her. Um, Yeah, you know, you always know when someone really doesn't know who Esther Hicks is, because you'll say, do you know who Esther Hicks is? And they say, oh, I know her. And it's like, yeah, well, I just not that. Um, (laughs) Exactly. I think the power of, I mean, you know, The Secret, you know, that book, The Secret. I remember reading it the first time and thinking, this is stupid. Like, what is this? because I wasn't open to it. I wasn't ready to be ready to be ready. And then I started to listen to Esther Hicks and I realized that it's, it's just there. It's you, we have the power to manifest our destiny and it's powerful and it's real. And, um, I, I I mean, I'm an example of it. Everything that I have in my life, I, I think I manifested in one way or another. And it's a very powerful tool that I use. And I, I get out of sync with it, Nora, if you know what I mean, like you kind of forget about it. We need constant reinforcement. That's the beauty of podcasts and YouTube and 
Yeah. Yeah, I haven't listened to any of those YouTubes in a couple months from Esther Hicks. As a matter of fact, I just did an Esther Hicks uh, meditation this morning and I was inspired by a friend who I had turned on to Esther Hicks who texted me last night and said, she's been doing the Esther Hicks you know, overload and that it was really working. And I said, God, I haven't done it in a while. So I went back to it this morning. So timing wise, this is an interesting conversation. No, it is. And you know, it's funny when you brought up the book, The Secret, because I've been working a lot with Jack Canfield and his Train the Trainer program. And yeah, he was in The Secret also. So it's, it's yes, he was. really funny how even that's, yeah, we did, I didn't even expect to talk about this with Isn't you. It's so. funny. What's another podcast? Just give me another podcast. That you're like. Well, I love Lee Brown is just a hot, she's, she is her own woman and she says it like it is. And so I'm entertained by her a lot and, I, and her podcasts are really short snippets. So mm-hmm. I'll listen to her. I love Tim Ferriss. My yeah, only problem with Tim Ferriss's podcasts is they are long. They're two hour podcasts. So you have to really, and they're so good. It's like reading a, a book that will change your life. I just have to have two hours of focus to be able to right. listen. If you can connect up the idea of podcasting with exercise, and I can't get my heart rate way up there and do a podcast. I'm too busy thinking about breathing, but walking my dog and podcasting is probably my favorite activity. So that's your personal it. growth. So that's when you're it doing is. your kind of, you know, whatever you're doing for that commitment of time, because it is a time commitment. It, it you know, absolutely so is. And I feel like you and I are constantly multitasking. I think in order to be good at what we do, we almost have to be able to juggle a whole lot of things at one time. So, I mean, that's why I have my little, my book, which I'm constantly writing like things that people will tell me, like, have you read this book or have you tried this makeup? Have you seen this TikTok or whatever? I'll write a little note to myself and that's my personal development. I'll go back and really try to incorporate a lot of things that people suggest to me into my life. Just, you know, so we, we get a lot of that happening organically during the day. And I think it's important that we kind of go back and, and remind ourselves there's a lot of good stuff out there. So that leads me to my next question. So what are some of the tools that you find are really helpful with real estate and even in your personal life too? So you just wrote down. So sometimes I'll, I go between writing things down in the old fashioned at a glance calendars versus putting them in my phone you know, under notes. (laughs) So what are your favorite tools? So my absolute all-time favorite, Nora, is my notes. I mean, if I die tomorrow and you want to know anything about my life, go into my notes because there's everything. On your phone, your notes on on my phone. phone. Mm -hmm. On my phone. I mean, to me, it's the easiest. It's crazy. I mean, do you know you can put spreadsheets in there and you can do art and you can, you can do anything in the, to me, it's like the perfect application and it, it's always there. And so, so I would say that's my favorite if I want to be productive, I use my notes. I mean, I live and die by my calendar, as I'm sure you do too. You know, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. My calendar can be crazy. I'm looking at it right now. It's like, sometimes you say, how can I do all that in one day? But I put everything on my calendar. So that's, you know, I would say probably my calendar, my notes, and writing it down in my little black book. Those are my three life hacks, if you will, that I really rely on. If you took any one of those three things away, I'd really have to figure out how to be productive. Well, okay. So speaking of that, then my next question would be, because now you're in a boutique firm, how many agents do you have? About seven agents? We have, I think we're up to nine now. Nine. Great. And yep. 
how do they manage everything or you're managing agents or what does your team structure look like? I always think of myself too, as you know, this whole thing with teams that have recently come about. I mean, to me, I think I've always had a team. We've had a team. Even exactly. Years ago. I mean, I have my, my stager, my photographer, my, you know, assistant that would come in, you know, even for five or 10 hours a week back then. I've always had a team, even the other agents in my old offices yeah. were part of my team that we would help each other. So anyway, so what yeah. does your team look like? All of the people that you just mentioned are on my team. I have a full-time administrator. We just started with a transaction coordinator. So it's a virtual transaction coordinator, a literal life changer. I don't know how I ran my business without her. I, I just, she's a wife. She is the best wife I've ever had. So that's been a, a big improvement for our productivity. I am fortunate, and I think you are too, Nora. My husband is my financial guy. I do believe that as an entrepreneur and a business owner, we always have to know our numbers. So I look at our P&L every quarter, and I go right to the bottom line, and I look at it, and that makes me happy. But he's looking at it every single day, multiple times a day. So having someone that you trust in the financial back Mm -hmm. of your business is extraordinarily important. And I think also recognizing what you're good at hiring or finding other people that are good at what you're not good at to fill in the blanks. I have a, um, a marketing person who does all of my SEO and all of my, um, not all of my Facebook, but a lot of my Facebook stuff. Honestly, I, I couldn't live without her. I have a personal, I have a, a business trainer or coach who I talk with every couple of weeks and he's a business owner himself. He owns an insurance company And I look forward to talking with him. Like I look forward to talking to my sister or my mom. He just, he really makes it real. And he always brings me back to, are you using your time effectively? So I think having all those coaches or all those, I think of it as I'm a, I love football and it's a football team. And, you know, I'm the quarterback and you need to have a defensive coordinator and you need to have a quarterback coach and you need to have all those people in your world in order for the team to function. Mm -hmm. And I have them all, but I love hearing how other people, who other people have in their life, because then you think, oh, geez, I never thought about that. I need a whatever, a professional gardener. I don't know, something. Yeah. I mean, I have to say when I hired a coach specifically for real estate, the best thing was every week when I would check in with her, it was having my numbers, my P&L, my weekly buckets of income or where everything was going, even as far as real estate investments that I had too. And that was hugely helpful. Yeah. And now do you, with your coach, and he's in a different industry, how did you find him? You know how I found him? I stumbled upon him on um, Facebook, I believe. And when I say stumbled, I mean, literally, I just, I saw a post and I thought, oh, I know what it was. He talked about being from the Azores and my sister was born in the Azores, which are the islands off of Portugal. There's nine islands off of Portugal. My dad was in the air force. My sister uh, was born when we lived in the Azores and he made a, a comment about being from the Azores. And I connected with that because not only did I live there, but we had recently done a trip there. So I kind of got interested in him and I just watched quietly and from on the sidelines for probably a year watched how he was promoting himself on social media. And you can tell once you meet him that it's all not about him at all. He's always about promoting local businesses, promoting other people's businesses. And I just thought that's, it was so genuine. He came across as being so genuine that I wanted to get to know him more. He's actually 
I mean, he's my coach and he does coaching, but that's not his, his, his mainstay. I mean, he owns a, an insurance company, but I reached out to him after the new year. And I said, you know, I just want to thank you for giving me so many life hacks. I mean, I have learned so much from this guy, just watching him on Instagram and Facebook. I wrote him this long email and I said, thank you. I just want to say, thank you. You've given me so many things to be inspired by. And he wrote back and he's like, thank you. Like, I can't believe you're writing me this long email. And so after this nice back and forth bantering, I said, Hey, you know, are, would you ever consider doing coaching with me? And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, I have two other realtors that I coach. And so that was the beginning of it. And it started out very slow and, and easy and it's continued. And I just love this guy. So I would say everybody needs a coach for sure. Well, is it the accountability or is it, or is it the hacks that he's showing you or how? Yeah, it's the accountability, but he runs a very profitable business and it's giving me the gumption to not do the little things day to day that are wasting my time. He's helped. I'm a big picture person, but I can get into the weeds because I, it's a control thing. And he's helping me relinquish control from the little things and really try to work at a higher level. And it's, it's working. It's been a slow process. I'm like, no, I can't do that, Carlos. I can't, I can't tell this person to do that. And he's like, yes, you can. And I do. And it worked out. And so he's been great. I love him. That's terrific. That's terrific. So as we wrap up a little bit here, a couple of things that I wanted to ask you was really about, as I'm talking, have these conversations with people around the country, is in your marketplace in the Shrewsbury, Worcester area, tell me a little bit about your marketplace. And I always think it's interesting for people to learn, oh, in that market, I can buy a new house versus, you know, what the average price is around that, what I'm looking at versus, you know, say a, as, as somebody in the housewives, yeah. <laughs> a used house, used house. <laughs> or retail, you know, what that, pro- what that product generally looks like, say, for example, a four bedroom, two and a half bath or three and a half bath colonial, you know, the average, you know, what is it on usually an acre or half an acre, uh, whatnot. And um, curious okay. about what's in your marketplace. That's a great question. Our town was built in 1995. Between 1990 and 1998 was when we went through a huge boom. We went from 16,000 people to 36,000 people. And so if you think back on what was being built in the early 90s to mid 90s, we're talking about a four bedroom, two and a half bathroom, 3,000 square foot on 20,000 square feet of land. Um, And there are subdivisions. So cul-de-sacs and roads that lead up to cul-de-sacs. And I would say to get a decent house in one of those neighborhoods now would cost probably seven fifty to eight hundred, and those are ni- they're nice neighborhoods. Um, and there's you know definitely houses that are less than that, but I would say seven hundred would be the starting point for a house like that. And then if you get into new construction in our town, definitely north of a million, but capping off at a million one, maybe a million two. So compared to your market, we are very affordable. But compared to other markets, maybe in the Midwest, we're not. So yeah, what, Nora, you are in the epicenter of cool houses. What's your average numbers look like? Well, you know, it's not, it's, it's interesting because we have big, larger lot sizes. So our average lot is, I would say, definitely two acres. And I'm in a smaller town, much smaller. And we're looking at for our inventory is mostly in the 70s for a quote unquote used house. We want to yeah. call it that. And depending on if it's renovated or not and how renovated is it, you know, 20 year old renovations or 10 year old renovations, you're looking at probably renovated about 900 for, you know, renovated 1970s colonial four bedroom, two and a half bath. And then if you're looking at new construction, there's 
you'd have to buy land and then build on that or do a teardown for the most part, right? But that would be north of probably one three, mm-hmm. 1.3 million. It's the challenge of finding the land and the house, right? I would be remiss if I didn't call you out on something. So I've known you for 15 years and we've known each other no. professionally, personally, but I will never forget the time that you said, why don't you come to my house and we can work in my office? And I'm going to embarrass you by telling you this, but it's the God's honest truth. You live in the coolest house (laughs) I've ever been in, in my life. I love your house. Give us a little, just a little bit of background on your house. Because that was going to be my next question for you was, I'm going to, I'm going to answer it with a question first. So I can give you some time to think about this because we really didn't, we didn't have anything pre-planned on this conversation, Right. but um, it was the question I'm going to ask for you, is what was your favorite style of house growing up in? So I have to tell you, so we lived in a lot of different houses, but mostly I grew up in Florida, 1975, and we lived in a cool mid-century house that was designed. So my parents bought it from the original owners, Mr. and Mrs. Godsey were their names, but we, it was um, all glass in the back and it was definitely a modern house with a cool pool and on the water. And I love, that was my favorite house to grow up in. And I really appreciated unique styles so that was um, a lot of fun. So in my house, yeah. So I think that's what attracted me to this house. It was totally different, out of the box, fun house that needed that needed some work, and it still does. <laughs> it's such a but it's a mid century modern. What year was your house built in? It was built in 1970. So it was a custom oh. built home for a family that had six people in it. So you know the rooms. It's it's very cool. It's a we'll talk about beautiful, the house another time. <laughs> beautiful home, and your backyard is to die for. Your pool. It's not like a museum. I don't want to mislead you. It's very, it's very casual and cool, but it's, it's not a house that you would ever be able to find anywhere else. And I, no, I think it kind of reflects you as a person because you are unique and you are always seeking some different things. And I just think it's, it's an awesome house. So oh, I, I love it. Thanks. Yeah, I totally well, what, love it. So as we wrap up, what's your favorite style of house? And what was your favorite house to grow up in? Do you have- so I grew up in the same house from almost the beginning. Now that's not true. We traveled a lot when we were little, but the house that, that was our anchor house growing up was a typical, almost a Brady Bunch house from the seventies in a cul-de-sac. Again, I grew up with five brothers and sisters and we played basketball and kickball in our front yard and we had woods in the back and it was an awesome idyllic house. And it's funny when you go back to your childhood home, I'm like, God, you know, I thought it was a really fancy neighborhood. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, it was okay. Very, you know, middle-class, but, but nice. But I got very, very interested early on in bungalows. I don't know why. Um, I just read the story about how Sears Roebuck would sell kit houses and they would be delivered and built on site. And you always had to be near a train station because that's how they got them there. And I've always had a fascination for bungalows. I've never, I actually did live in a bungalow uh, for a short period of time. So I would say, you know, I could say a multi-million dollar house on Martha's Vineyard, but that would not be telling the truth. I am very fascinated by small homes that have great functionality. And I love when I see someone renovate them in such a tasteful way that it, it, it brings it up to how we live in today's world. So that would be my kind of obsession. That's fabulous. I love it. I never knew that about you. Yeah. What yeah, is that? I'm a bungalow so, fan. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Mary Beth. It was as always, so fun speaking with you today and having our conversation. And I look forward to another one very soon. Would love it, Nora. Thank you for your time. Good luck on your venture and look forward to chatting with you soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Real Estate Relationships Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe and review the show. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at realestaterelationships.com. That's real, R-E-A-L for relationships or at noralynchsmith.com. Thanks so much for listening.